0: So I'd like to ask you to do me a favor for a second, and I want you to think about a really good compliment that someone has paid you in your life, one that stuck with you, something that maybe was said directly to you or that came around uh, and someone expressed a compliment to you that that uh, in this next image, I want you to see this. Like you think about a sailboat, right? And you think about a really well-spoken compliment can be like wind in your sails, right? It can keep you moving forward. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me as we dive back into our relationship series. We've, We've been talking about building healthy relationships, and we admit that that's hard to do, uh, but we also agree that we can get better at it, right? Uh, and so I'm going to ask you to do something awkward, because I'm good at that, and I'm going to ask you to stand up together. I'm going to ask you to find somebody, uh, and I'm going to ask you to greet them first, so introduce yourself to them, even if you've been married to them for 53 years. Uh, and then I want you to just share with them a really meaningful compliment that you've been paid. You're not bragging, because I'm asking you to do it. So go for it. Make it happen right now. So... Thank you. Thank you for doing that. It was fun. It was fun. After the first service, I had several. The first question that I asked individuals after the first service was, what was the compliment that someone shared about you? And almost every person I talked to, they teared up when they were talking about a meaningful compliment that had been given to them at another time in their life. I love what Mark Twain says that he says, I could live for a good two months on a good compliment, right? You know, It's, it's fascinating. I, I remember I had a librarian at my high school, and pure disclosure, I didn't spend a lot of time in the library when I was in high school, Uh, but when I was graduating from high school, the librarian that was there, she handed me a note, and um, this was 25 years ago, and she handed me a note, and I remember uh, opening this up. I'd never spoken with her before, but in the note, she mentioned, she quoted a, a pastor who'd been very influential in my life, Chuck Swindoll. And in the note, she wrote very specific things and about ways that she's praying for me and things that she'd observed when I, um, when I was in the, the uh, there was a Bible study that we had in the library. And just the things that she wrote uh, were so encouraging to me that I'm talking to you about them 25 years later. That they, they encouraged something inside of me that allowed me to understand, in some ways, some things about myself. Some things about what God was doing in my life. And in many ways, um, it was an incredible encouragement to me. I, I want to encourage you today to, to understand the value and impact that we can have with our words. Uh, we've all grown up. Kids, you can help me with this. Sticks and stones break my bones, but words will... Which is a lie, and it's bad to lie in church, right? Like, I, got, I honestly, when you when you recognize this, we can say that an encouraging word is, is so, so helpful, right? It's, 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 it's encouraging. It keeps us moving forward. Uh, they've said that you would need to receive about 10 compliments to balance out one critical comment that someone says. And I think that that's probably wrong. I feel like you need a lot more because you remember the painful words that people say. We, we agree that a compliment is valuable. Have you heard this research says that it is as valuable for a person to receive a well-spoken compliment as it is to Receive cash money. Have you heard that? And I think it's true, right? That, that it actually reminds us that we're important, that someone cares. But we also recognize when we joke about the sticks and stones that may break your bones, but words can actually hurt me quite deeply. I, I'll, t- I'll say, I'll take the sticks and stones because that heals. But but the words that people can communicate, the words that you and I can communicate can have a huge impact. In fact, kids, I'm so glad that you're joining us today because it's not just your parents' words that have an impact on you, but it's your words, some of them very positive. I've had uh, have, have had parents share meaningful things that their kids have said to them at very young ages. And so your words matter. They can also be quite hurtful. So, so words matter. And today as we study God's Word together, I'm just going to remind you of the simple truth that words are the building blocks, the foundation of good relationships. And they also can be the cause Of some pretty bad ones. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to to turn them uh, on with me or turn to them, in them, to James chapter 1 verse 26. We'll also have uh, scripture on the screen. And and as I read this this powerful verse, I think James is reminding us this is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, the pastor that would have led the church in Jerusalem, known for his strong words, but clear precise words, James says this in verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but he deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. You think about that statement and it carries with it a pretty heavy warning. It says that this whole church experience can be a waste of time for people that don't understand what it means to bridle, to rein in, to give control to our tongue. I love the image that's on the screen of this little child on the back of a giant horse. I typed in the search engine, giant Clydesdale horse. And, and the picture that came up, the first one was, was with this little kid on the back with the reins in her hands. And, um, and, and I look at this and you say, in the right way, when, a, when someone has the reins appropriately controlled, they can control something that is incredible. And in our case today, as we talk about controlling our tongue, it is thankfully something we can do. We can have control over the words that we say. In fact, I'll I'll remind you of this in multiple ways today, that some things that people are saying today shouldn't be said some things that should be said, people are avoiding and they need to express them in a clear and meaningful way. I'll tell you today, if you stick with me, I think some strategic ways that you can strengthen your relationships through the way that you use words. I think it's going to be helpful for us to remember that words are uniquely powerful. Our relationships grow when we use words well. And there's, there's great power that comes when we speak truth and love. I mentioned that passage in the book of James And I want to remind you, uh, first point this morning is that words are uniquely powerful. There's there's an amazing amount of influence and change that can happen through our words. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I want you to flip back from James 1 to James 3, and I want you to see him unpacking this image of the bridle and the bit in the horse's mouth. He says this in verse 3. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us... We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. That last sentence is fascinating. When I was in high school, a a student that was in my youth group, he was like, every parent tells their kids not to play with matches. And Chucky was playing with matches. And there was a bird's nest. And he was goofing around and ended up catching a bird's nest on fire. And then when it burned through the bird's nest, he like threw it. It landed in his gutter, burned his whole house down. So when I, when I read this sentence at the end, uh, we, we recognize that, that, that James in his wisdom is talking about the kind of thing that can destroy. But in the verses before, what I love is this image of the rudder that's on a giant ship. And of course, he's talking about sailboats, but uh, we know giant ships, don't we, in Cleveland? Look, look at this, this barge. Some of you have actually seen this in action on the Cuyahoga River Um, This this is the Dorothy Ann um, Pathfinder combination. There's a a pushing towboat that's on the back there. And um, it it looks awesome. Um, And if you've ever seen it in action, I've been on a kayak right next to this thing. um, And it makes you feel pretty small. Uh, But what's incredible about it um, is is that it's actually bigger than you might even think that it is. The terminal tower that you and I are familiar with that, that they changed the lights on downtown Cleveland is it, the, that ship, the Dorothy Ann Pathfinder combination, is almost as, as long or as would be tall as that tower if it was, it was tilted up. So it's massive, right? And I, I want you to understand that that, that thing, doing some research, the, the rudder on that giant ship or the thing that's on that towboat that is in control of it is about the size of this stool. Uh, it's about four feet um, it is quite small, but it can do some pretty amazing things. Check out this video. It's about 30 seconds worth of. I, I actually took this. I strapped myself on the front of the boat, and uh, no, just kidding. But isn't that amazing? That's that's on our Cuyahoga River, cutting through. So so there's precision, there is effect, and there's movement that can happen with the rudder of a ship, um, with a boat that's moved. And here. James, in his wisdom, as he describes this, is saying that you and I can control what is one of the most influential things in our life, and that is our tongue. We can control the way we use words, and today I want to celebrate with you that words can be used in a very positive way. They can be in a great encouragement to other people, that that we should never underestimate the power and impact of our words. I'll also challenge you and warn you this morning, and I think we know this from life experience, that our careless words can cause great casualties. It's been described as a small blaze that can start a forest fire I think it's important for us to remember when we use words that those kind of words can stick with people in such a way that literally they never forget them. So I have a special volunteer that's going to come up, okay? And uh, I want to illustrate this for you guys. Yeah, come on up. So will you first do me a favor and will you, let's see if this is working. Will you introduce yourself to everybody? Hi, um, I'm Avery. Okay, so, so I have a job for you. Have you ever seen Minute to Win It before? Oh, no. Okay, you have to sit back down. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. So, so, um, so, Minute to Win it is a game where I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you a challenge, um, but I'm not going to give you a minute to complete this challenge. I'm just going to give you five seconds, okay? In the five seconds that I'm going to give you, um, you're not going to have to brush your teeth, but I'm going to give this to you, and we're going to give you five seconds. We're going to count it down. We're going to go ready, get set, go. And then you're going to see if you can squeeze the entire contents of this um, crest um, uh, Toothpaste onto that tray Can you do that you think? You're really confident about it? Do you guys think she's got this? Yeah. Yeah. Alright I think so Alright so we're going to say ready Get set go And then we're going to count to five And then we're going to say stop And we're going to see how good of a job you did Alright should you open it What do you think? Yeah we'll let you open it first Alright so I didn't glue it on I promise Alright okay ready get set Go cheer on One two three Four five, all right, stop oh, that is really gross, all right, um, so look at that, you did such a good job i 'm having trouble getting anything okay, so so now, for extra bonus points, I want you to put that all back in the tube, okay, ready, get set go she, i 'm just kidding i 'm just joking. Hey, give her a round of applause that 's great so Oh, I have a prize for you too. It invo- it's your very own. Toothbrush, aren't I nice? And, uh, and there's Mitchell's ice cream uh, on the back there. You so thank you. So uh, a mentor friend of mine uh, said this to me early on uh, in counseling. He said, you know, words, Sean, are like toothpaste that uh, when you squeeze them out, uh, it is very difficult, next to impossible, to get them back into the tube. And I think that for, for many of us, if we reflect on our life, we can think of words that have hurt us, words that have been expressed at maybe times of tiredness or even in a time of duress or discouragement or frustration, but they stick to us. And I think that part of the reason why we understand the influence of word in our lives is something that we were taught in scripture, that it is out of the overflow of our heart so our mouth speaks so, so our words are connected to something that's intimate and deep in our life. They reveal to us what is happening in our life. Jesus taught this in Luke chapter 6, 45, and I'm going to read this briefly. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart think of a geyser that's that's if that's that's boiling over that it's shooting out that out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks and so so if in your life you're a person who's quick to anger if you're a person that expresses abusive language that that cuts across and hurts people with the you, what what we're recognizing is that it's kind of like those, um, those lights on the dashboard of your car that they recognize that there's something broke that needs to be addressed. And if you don't address it, it can cause potential harm. In the same way, if you're a person who expresses the good that you know of people, that's quick to be kind and express generosity. I think it's evidence of the fact that you understand what God has done for us, that you understand what it means to have love what it means to express love the way the Lord taught us to love. And so I want to encourage you, just as we're diving into this, that we recognize out of the overflow of our hearts or our mouth speaks, what I'm not saying to you this morning is to manipulate people with your words. I'm going to challenge you to express the good that you see in other people. But I think we've all been around the gusher, uh, the person who expresses words that may or may not have anything to do with reality. I, uh, you know, you're wearing a green shirt and they come up and they compliment your purple shirt. They're not even paying attention, right? They're just expressing something. And you understand that at times it can feel manipulative. So, so I want to make sure I'm encouraging you. Don't express, make sure you don't express something that you don't feel, but I want to encourage you to express the good feelings that you have about other people. And it will help you to grow in your relationships. I think the other person that we want to avoid is the person who expresses things in order to have you return the favor. Uh, that they express it in such a way that they anticipate the boomerang effect to come back and to come back to them. I I think that's the last thing we're talking about, manipulation. In fact, in Scripture, it talks about the danger of flattery, and um, it's really not about the speaker at that point. It's about expressing truth. I think that it's important for us to recognize that words are uniquely impactful. I also want to encourage you to remember that our relationships grow when we use words well. And I think that's why we're talking about this in the midst of a relationship series, that expressing the good that we see in other people allows us to encourage them, but it also allows us to establish um, what can be a healthy environment for a relationship to thrive. Uh, I want you to see this in James chapter 1, It says this, and I think it's helpful. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Uh, I think what he 's saying here is God gave us two ears and one mouth, right His expectation for us is to be people who are quick to listen, that, that care about uh, other people enough to listen, and that 's an essential part of a meaningful relationship it 's a placing value on the words of other people and when I've said this uh, in this context as we talk about growing in our capacity to get better at relationships, we've admitted relationships are hard. We've also admitted that, that it's something that we need to invest in. And, and it's been described well that conversations and communication is something we can grow in our skill of. And it's a little bit like tennis. If you've played tennis before, um, that can you imagine if you served every time and the person who you're playing with never respond, returned the ball? Uh, it would be awkward, right? Uh, you might win, but you're also going to lose because it's no fun. And uh, I, I love this fact about the Lord Jesus that some 300 times in scripture, Lord Jesus is recorded asking questions of people. And I think for for some of us, as we wrestle with communication, we wrestle with the ability to to deepen our relationships. One of the ways we can follow the lead of Jesus is to be good at asking questions. Help me to understand. Uh, I'm observing something good in someone, and I'm asking them to share with me how that became a part of their life. Uh, Jesus's questions were intentional. They also expected and anticipated a response from the person he asked them to or people he asked them to. And so, when we talk about building better c- conversational skills, some of it is that we keep them rolling. For some of you, you've been married for a long, long time and you've, you've said things like, we've run out of things to talk about. And I think you're just missing out on the opportunity to explore new territory in your relationship, get to know your spouse or your friend in a better, different, meaningful way. I think it's helpful what Sarah Grant says about how we communicate value in relationships. She says this She says, Our opinion of people depends less upon what we see in them than upon what they make us see in ourselves. In other words, we communicate warmth to other people when we listen to them, when we recognize um, carefully and cautiously truth about them, and then we express it in a manner that's helpful. Uh, The opposite of that is when we use words as a weapon, when we tear down, when we destroy, we recognize that it's quite dangerous. So we can either push relationships away or we can express them in such a way that helps them to grow. I think it's helpful for us to consider this as a tool for us to build relationships is to speak all the good that you recognize in other people. Dare to talk about your affection. I have a good friend at Hope Church that does that. He uh, he did it this morning before the church service. He pulled me aside and he said, hey, man, I love you. Um, and I, I care about you. And he shared some things that were meaningful. And you guys are like, that sounds awkward. Um, and it's not because of the fact that he's sincere. He will send me a text message that just says, hey, I'm praying for you. How are you doing? Or I appreciated this. Or He, he, he is a person who might come across as effusive, But at the end of the day, what he does is is his source of great encouragement for me. Benjamin Franklin uh, encouraged people to do this. He says, speak ill of no man, but speak all the good that you know of everybody. Have you ever noticed how infectious a compliment can be as well? Have you ever noticed that if you compliment someone who's not in the room, how often that compliment makes it back to the person that you gave it to? I think it's because we recognize how important those things are. So if I am talking to someone's spouse and I say, you know, your wife, she's amazing. I've noticed that she can do this, this, and this in a way that no one else can. He is encouraged, but also when it gets back to her, she's extra encouraged, right? There's something to be said about expressing authentically the things that you see about other people. And really compliments are just appropriately acknowledging the good in other people, I think we can get better at it. I think we can say the nice things that we see about one another in such a way that it maintains the third point this morning, and that is speaking truth and love helps relationships thrive. Uh, we learn the value in the book of Ephesians 4 of speaking truth, um, but we also recognize the value of it being spoken in love. It says this in Ephesians 4.15. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ Jesus. I think truth and love is one of the most powerful conversation, um, combinations that we could possibly experience in our life. If we're transparent with ourselves or honest with ourselves, more than likely we are better at one of the two than the other. Uh, some of you express kindness, and at times you may miss out on the ability to articulate clear truth in your life. For others, we may be a little bit heavier on the truth-giving, Uh, And we need to learn how to do it in love. I think that's an essential thing for us to understand. I also think it's helpful to work on communicating in the same language. Um, Have you ever had to try to have a meaningful conversation with someone and you do not share the same language at all? You find yourself drawing things and expressing things in complicated ways. You're trying your best to communicate an idea. And here's what I've observed in relationships. We're, we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes, but I want to share with you an observation that's been very helpful for me. So Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And uh, I laughed after the first service. Somebody said, I noticed that one of the five love, love languages was missed. Your slide was wrong. We missed the, the love language of chocolate. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, but um, Dr. Gary Chapman, through observation, he's a Christian counselor, Um, he's a a very gifted man, he's just observed a pattern. And I just want to put this as a pattern. And the first pattern that I want to help you with and encourage you in is that it's pretty helpful to actually understand what your love language is. And so as I express these, some of you are like, what is he talking about? Well, I'll try to help explain this. So so what uh, what Dr. Chapman has observed is that for, for each of us, it is natural for us to have a primary and maybe a secondary language that when somebody does this, to us, it just feels really good to us. It means that they get us, that they encourage us. He talks about a tank that feels like is being filled up, and when it's not filled up, it's like trying to live your life on fumes. It just doesn't work very well. And so so what's neat about it is that I've interacted with lots of people in my life and in pastoral ministry, and I've found that, that people have different, there's no right or wrong. So when we talk about the gifts one, it doesn't mean you need to feel guilty if your love language is gifts. It's just a different way to think about it. So let me unpack these with you for a second. So the first one on his list is words of affirmation. And words of affirmation are important. They could be private words that are in writing. They could be words that are spoken. But, but a person who has the native love language of words of affirmation is a person that really places a high value in words. Now, now my, my parents, I'm going to use them as an illustration I did in the first service. Um, and I don't think they're offended. So I think we'll get through this. So my mom is a words of affirmation person. Um, what she loves to do is she loves to give cards. She loves to write cards, and this is native love language for her. She'll write a long thing. The funny thing about it is she'll give them to my dad, whose love language is another one of these, and he'll read it most of the time, and then he'll look on the back and see how much she spent on the card. You know. Now, now I can tell you that that I'm guessing that my mom has every written word that wasn't like a grocery list that my dad's ever written because it means something to her. I gave her a gift recently on the, on the mug that I gave her. It said, you are loved. And she has called me probably four times to say, I just love my mug (laughs) because, because words matter to her. So, so it is a native, natural language for her. So, so if somebody says something extra hurtful, like her mother did when she was growing up, it sticks with her too. Words matter. So it shows up in different ways. The second one is receiving gifts. And some of you are like, yeah, that seems petty. Um, but, but I heard a great story uh, this week of somebody in our church family that the spouse knew that the other spouse loved a, p- a particular writing utensil. They had someone make handmade a, a special writing utensil. And so when the act of giving that gift was given, it communicated a connection. You know me. It's valuable. Now, you know, one of the things about a gift giver is that sometimes they can feel disappointed at times by the gifts that people receive if they're not considerate and thoughtful. And so, so just, just something to consider. The next one is quality time. This is cell phones away. We're engaging together. Maybe it's board games or talking or gazing at each other's eyes, you know? But, it, but it's connecting together. This isn't just in, in dating or marital relationships. This is friendships. Um, this is we like to be do quality time together. I love this myself, and it's why I like our tandem kayak. Because if you're in the kayak with me, you're stuck, right? So, so this this idea, and my my daughters are like, "Amen, Dad," right? So, so, so they there's a part of this that though it's just meaningful, intentional time together. Remember, this is native language. The next one is acts of service. Um, now, this is a person who does things. Uh, maybe around the house or, or maybe make something or does something that is intended to communicate, maybe baking something that's intended to communicate love. So, so my dad, 100% is an acts of service guy. So when I shared with you guys the one time that he and I painted the interior of a house in like a 24-hour time period, his love tank was full after that. We, we accomplished something together. Now, now I've noticed this even with people that I love, that, that my mom and dad, they don't share the same love language, so my mom's inside on a special occasion writing out this really meaningful note. My dad's outside mowing the lawn, and they're, they're missing out the ability to communicate love with one another. Do you understand this? And so, so for us to talk about this in a meaningful way, I think it's important for us to understand that it's helpful for us to give love in a way that the other person receives it. The last one is physical touch. This, this doesn't have to be super intimate. This can be a handshake, a hug. It can be um, just sitting next to each other while you're watching something. But it's, hey, we're, we're, we're physically touching one another and it's meaningful. Uh, so, so when you read, do you guys know what yours is? Do the people who are closest to you know what yours is? I've shared before here that uh, I have a good pastor friend of mine that uh, early on in our friendship, he's like, hey, this is my, my love language. I'm like, that's weird, um, but thank you for sharing. Uh, but but it's actually helped us in our, in our friendship, actually. I know what is valuable. to me. I don't spend a lot of money on certain things, but there's certain things that I do that help him to feel cared for. So if you know what your love language is, I think it's important for you to be sensitive to, as well, to the love language of other people who are around you. So when, when some of you are like, I don't see a Bible verse that talks about this, um, I don't want you to be skeptical, but understand that even the principles of 1 Corinthians 13 that teaches us how to love one another, I think it, it gives us the, 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 trail, the tracks to, to run on to be able to value and communicate love in a way that other people receive it. And I want to challenge you and encourage you, if you haven't had this conversation with your sons and daughters, with your parents, uh, with your grandparents, that it'd be very valuable to express these to them and ask them to share, so that next time, before you go out and buy that expensive card that's just going to end up in the trash, maybe you agree to do a project together, or you you turn off the phone and you just spend meaningful time together with your dad in a kayak or something like that, So, so... You know, when it when it comes to these things, I think it's important for us to be people who express love fluently and consistently. Uh, Seneca, some two thousand years ago, the philosopher said this. He said, "If you wish to be loved, then you need to love. If you wish to be loved, then love." I want to encourage you, as a church family, young and old, that we can grow in our capacity to communicate love to one another. Words are an important part of our ability to express and care for the needs of others. We can get better at the way that we use words. And when I started this morning talking about a librarian who expressed words to me by a note that have impacted my life for the last 25 years, it doesn't take much, uh, but I think it takes the, the act and step of expressing to one another. In one of the stories that came out of September 11th, The Tragedy of the World Trade towers, uh, is there was a time period after the impact of the towers before they had fallen. And there were recorded uh, recordings of people's phone calls out of the tower before it tragically fell. And, And what they found in those recordings was most often those statements that people said were not trite or meaningless statements, but instead there was recording after recording of people declaring things, honey, I love you. Please tell the kids over and over how much I love them. Uh, many times it was expressions of desperate, real, intimate love for other people. And I'll challenge you as we come to the conclusion of this message this morning, um, that words are uniquely powerful, that our relationships grow when we use words well, that there's power that comes from speaking truth and love in that combination. Uh, but but maybe perhaps the most helpful thing that I can challenge you in is is that you, you need to express them. You need to not wait to express them until you're in a time of desperate need or crisis, but instead to recognize the opportunity that we have to rein in our tongue from doing damage, but to be willing to express to other people the things that are valuable. I think it's a gift that's more precious than money. I think it's a gift that can last with somebody for a lifetime. And I hope that you use it in order to help you establish and build the kind of relationships that God desires for us to have with one another. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we love you this morning and we thank you for the privilege it is for us to study your word. I thank you for your living word that in many ways is a love note that you've given us to help us to understand your loving kindness and your desire to have an intimate and personal relationship with each one of us. I pray for those who are in this room that have experienced great hurt through words. Uh, we, we recognize that there's a temptation for hurt people to hurt people. And I pray that you would stop that pattern for those who've suffered through that and allow them to understand. Like my friend this morning, I was thinking about his story, that, that he was he's a person who's learned the value of words, not through good experiences, but in many ways through bad ones. Would you teach us how to do that? I pray for every person here, that we would grow in our capacity to listen, to express, and to understand and receive um, the language of truth that helps us to understand how we love one another. We need you, we thank you, and praise you for this morning, and we thank you for your word that promises us that it will not return void. And all God's people said, amen.